This is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, December 15th. Corey, we are 10 days away from Christmas. 10 days away from Christmas. It feels good. Merry Christmas to you, by the way. Merry Christmas. As uh, Dan would say, Merry Christmas to you and yours. To you and yours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I would like to wish you a Merry Chrysler. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got a, a, a few questions for you this morning. Okay, I, uh, that's not a good sign. I'm throwing you a curveball first. We got a lot of twin stuff again. Aha, I see what more you did than, there. More than 24 hours past the twins. But um, I came across this question actually this morning or last night, and, and I thought I, I would throw it your way. You actually had a, a girls' basketball game on our broadcast schedule tonight, get postponed. Yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. And you know, we're we're we want to be in the middle of of basketball broadcasts in the basketball season because it's really really fun to do. But the question was posed: What is your favorite sport to broadcast? And I'm wondering now, what are you? Almost two years, three years? How long have you been here now? Uh. About a year and a half. Okay, I'll, so closing in on the two-year mark, um, what sport is your favorite to call, and is it different than maybe what than what you uh, were excited about calling when you were getting into radio? Well, so my first start of calling games actually happened when I was 12 years old. Uh, call, uh, when I was at Bertha Hewitt, we were streaming uh, some games, and they just were like, well, there's a microphone. Do you just want to call the game? And I did it, had a lot of fun with it. And that's so like I only called basketball games when I was in high school and, and middle school and all that. And then I got uh, into broadcasting, uh, interning here, called a baseball game. And then I, when I was at Bemidji State, I called a couple football games. Never called a basketball game before until last year. Mm-hmm. But like played a lot of basketball, know a lot about basketball. It's not that it's one. Once you know that it's a lot easier. Uh, that one is one that I've had a lot more fun with than I thought I would not that I wouldn't have fun with it, but that was one that, uh, I really do enjoy. But although if I had to rank them, I still would think calling baseball is my number one, but that's just cause if I were to rank my favorite sports, baseball would probably be in the top. Sure. So, you know, when you just have, when you just really love the game, it's just fun to call it. So I agree with that. I, I, my, my cop out answer is it kind of depends on whatever season I'm in. That's also true. And I adore the playoffs and all of, and all of them that, uh, that I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I getting into it, I was like you, I thought for sure, cause baseball is my favorite sport. Um, I thought for sure I was gonna like baseball was going to be it for me, mm-hmm. and I adore baseball, and I adore calling baseball. Um, you know, especially like like last spring, getting to chase around three different teams at a state baseball mm-hmm. tournament was just. You got to call your alma mater. Even I got to call my alma mater. That was really cool. It's really really fun. I think though, I I have a tie. Okay, I have a tie. I. Love, love, love basketball and volleyball. There's just something about the pace of play. There's something about finding a rhythm with those sports that because they happen so quickly that um, it can be a challenge, I think, to get into it. Um, Not as difficult to get into it, I think, as it is in baseball because there's so little action. Football, too, surprisingly, there's not a ton. 
there's there's little action compared to the amount of talking that you have to do. Uh, but I would probably put basketball and volleyball as as my top two. Respectable. And if I'm in volleyball season, I say volleyball's one. And if I'm in basketball season, I say basketball's number one. So that's I I really do uh, enjoy those. Okay, cool. That's just kind of fascinating. I think you know the the actual answer, Corey. Is I enjoy calling all of the sports. I do enjoy calling all. This is not a just because it's your favorite doesn't mean you hate the other ones. Yeah. As a as a clear as a disclaimer, but I'm not going to ask you to rank them because one of them's going to come in in last place, and. And I don't want you to have to feel like you need to explain it <laughs> because I understand. I will tell you this. I, um, I've i never called hockey. Hockey looks like it'd be really fun. Yeah. But I don't know enough about it. Um, I've never called wrestling. Wrestling's very fun to watch. I don't know enough about it. I would feel... I would feel very self-conscious about wrestling and hockey in a way that would just be mm-hmm. a, amongst a, a fan base right like a wrestling f- fan base and a hockey fan base is a very specific person yeah and very knowledgeable you don't have there's not like there's not a passive hockey fan. there's not a passive hockey fan there's not a pat you were just in on it which means you know and uh i i would uh, i'd feel self-conscious <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like i wouldn't be doing a good enough job and then I'm not doing anybody any favors uh, on a sport that I just don't, not that I don't, like you said, don't enjoy, but it's just you don't have that knowledge of, so it's really hard to call it if you don't know what, if you can't tell the difference between a half and a full Nelson, you're not going to Well, do first that of kind. all, don't do a full Nelson because I'm pretty sure that's illegal. That's my, exactly. That's my point. Um, uh, yeah, no frog splash off the top rope. Wait, what? My no? wrestling calls would sound a lot like this. Oh gosh! I think it, does that hurt? It looks like it hurts. It looks like <laughs> looks like it hurts, and and oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! He's coming in with a steel chair. Yeah. So I have that wouldn't work. I have three twins questions for you. Okay. And the first one is twenty four plus hours after the Carlos Correa news. Yes. How you feeling? Still not great. Like it's uh you know that initial uh just raw emotion part of it is over but now that you now it's just uh, we talked about the five stages of grief and uh uh do we have the order of that because i feel like i me- have you messed moved it up on yet. to ex- acceptance is the last one have you moved on to that i've moved on to acceptance like it, this is i moved on to acceptance right away but it's just more you can't process the acceptance part of it because you're too busy being being emotional about it and whether angry whether frustrated whatever like duh. anyway point is denial uh, anger bargaining depression acceptance it seems like you're actually in the depression stage <laughs> that might be the stage actually because yeah. uh depression gives it such a, a tough word because it's just a baseball team but uh you know i i mean that might be the phase i'm in right now of just like of golly gee willikers we just missed out on the best shortstop the twins have ever had we, t- we talked about it a lot yesterday, right? Off the, we talked about it here. We talked about it off the air um, for probably like an hour, and um, I think I came to the determination. Like my my final thoughts on this are: I think the thing that bums me out the most is Carlos Correa. Fourteen years of Carlos Correa. There's a world where he goes down as the greatest twin I ever got to watch. And that would put him as surpassing Kirby, 
um, that would surpass peak Joe Maurer. Um, there, now, there have been other fun guys in the mix, right? Like, I love Justin Morneau. Um, by the way, like Morneau in, is included in this, two MVPs, as it turns out. Um, love Torrey Hunter. You know, like, yeah. there's, there's, some, there's some guys in there. But actual, when you put their career in a final culmination, mm-hmm. Carlos Correa was potentially going to go down as the greatest twin I ever got to watch. I'm not old enough to have ever watched Harmon, so back off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just true. Like, who would have played for the, the Twins? I didn't get to see Kirby play for 14 years. He didn't play for 14 years. I didn't get to yeah. see Maurer play for that. Like, that was really in play. So I got um, I got a little sports sad for myself. Like, ah, oh, let's... That was robbed of me, and I, that makes me that makes me sports sad. Not real sad, but sports. Sports sad. sad is the is the right way to put it. So now, Corey, now we got to figure out where the twins go from here. Yeah, I was going to ask. It seems like there's four possible routes for the twins at at this point, with not signing Carlos Correa. How would you? What are what are those four routes? What do you kind of foresee the the options here, the paths taken? Okay, well, first of all, the Twins right now, their payroll, Corey, that they have on the books, about forty seven and a half million dollars ish. That is almost a hundred million dollars below where they, I think, where they were last season. Right? What was the? I can't remember their I payroll. Suppose, yeah, probably somewhere in there. So they have about fifty million committed, and they still have a long way to go because thirty five of that last season was from Carlos Correa. I mean, we're talking about. Like Miami Marlins, Oakland A's numbers. We're talking Cleveland Guardians numbers. Yeah. Like this is not good. As so they're gonna have to figure out a way, and they want to spend the money. They're not slashing payroll to slash payroll. They just haven't found a vessel to put that in yet. There's a couple places they could go with that. The first option is to sign Dansby Swanson. We talked a little bit about him yesterday. Uh, sign Dansby Swanson. Pro to that, he fills your hole at shortstop, gives you a place to kind of spend some money, like is a splashy signing. He's definitely a good bat. Like, he's not Carlos Correa, nowhere near it, but he's not a bad baseball player. So you could throw some money at Dansby Swanson. The con to that is he's not a long-term shortstop. How much are you investing in Dansby Swanson and for how long? I would be advised against giving him, like, an eight-year contract. Maybe a five-year deal. Does he want to sign that? Probably not. Looks like he wants to go to Chicago. His wife plays for the Chicago soccer team the Cubs probably would give him as much money as he wants. So the other option uh, is to sign Carlos Rodon. He's a starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. A lefty would immediately be the Twins' number one opening day starting pitcher. That is another option. Now, he's a lefty. The Twins don't have any left-handed starters. They need that. Carlos Rodon was great last season, great with his time in Chicago. little bit of injury concerns, so that's the con. And the con is that you're also going to have to overpay because it looks like by indications he wants to go to the Yankees. So if you need to get him away from there, you're going to have to spend $30 million a year on a starting pitcher who plays once every five days. The other option is number three, to trade uh, to trade everybody. And by everybody, I mean anybody who is has a one one year left on their contract. So Kenta Maeda, Sonny Gray, Max Kepler, and then you throw Luis Arise in there because his value is never going to be higher. And then you punt on 2023 and go into 2024. Bad for a fan base, not going to be motivated to show up to the ballpark this year. And two, they've been building towards 2023 is that year they were going to start competing. So there's that. The last option, Corey, 
nothing. They just stand pat and go in with the roster they have with some minor additions. All right, as I dance on out of here, what do you think they're going to do? The floor is yours. I think... I don't think they're going to end up with Dansby. I don't think they're going to end up with Carlos Rodon. What I think happens is, is that they don't trade away Maeda or Gray or Kepler. I think they trade away Kepler. I think Kepler does get moved, but I don't think they trade away Luis Arise. Uh, so I think out of those four guys, I think the only one that gets traded is Max Kepler. Although the Twins have surprised us before, so I'm not going to sit here and say this with a full guarantee. I think maybe they sign like a Nathan Evaldi to like beef up the rotation, just give them an extra veteran arm. But I don't, I, I don't see them making any splashy free agent moves. Maybe they'll sign Evaldi. Maybe they'll sign Joey Gallo as a right-handed bat that can play some outfield. But I don't see the Twins making any major additions. It'll be kind of little snippets around the corners, and we'll see where they go from here. But uh, either way, no outlook is as fun as it would have been to have Carlos Correa on the Minnesota Twins baseball club. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, December 15th. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bleeding noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.